Well, I honour you for being here today. It's a fine thing that you're doing. Now, the writer to the Hebrews encouraged the Christians he was writing to to consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And I'm encouraged by you being here today. Uh, You will have noticed that both of our readings speak of loving God and loving our neighbours. I thought that would be a really good place to start, uh, orientate ourselves and get us heading in the right direction for the rest of this year. Um, Although both will often be expressed in action, being obedient to God and helping other people in a myriad of ways, both are fundamentally dependent on theology. Of course, many people run from the word theology. Isn't that dry and boring? They say, I just want to love and follow Jesus. But isn't theology for academics? And doesn't it just end up with lots of technical arguments that often don't land? Doesn't it create unnecessary divisions? Who wants to know about big words that end in shun, justification, sanctification, glorification, anything else shun? Don't we just need to know that God loves us, that Jesus died for us, and that everything will end up well in the end for those who put uh, our trust in him? God will be all in all. Who needs doctrine? Who needs the creeds? Who needs statements of faith like the 39 Articles of the Anglicans and the Westminster Confession of some of the Reformed churches? Who needs to know the big theological debates of the past, like why it took 300 years for the early churches, uh, after Jesus had died, to work out a way of describing how Jesus is both fully God and fully human? That's been sorted. We don't need to worry about that. But theology sounds like a a technical word. And most of us would rather say we're simple, ordinary Christians rather than theologians. (laughs) Theology just means knowledge of God. And how can we love God if we don't know him? And how can we love in the ways that God wants us to love if we don't think about what God wants. We cannot love God and neighbour without knowing a bit of theology. It's simply not possible. I'm not suggesting that we should all set our New Year resolution to dive into some multi-volume books of doctrine. Uh, I'm not going to do that, and I certainly don't expect you to do that. This year we're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs, which is very, very practical in terms of how we're to live. And also uh, the book of Mark, which is one of the apparently more simple books in the New Testament, certainly the simplest of the the four Gospels. Uh, And they're going to be our focus. I'm not going to work through doctrines, wisdom, but we are going to consider God And we are going to talk about him and think about him and pray to him and call upon his help. 
And that is theology. You being here today says you know that. You know you need to think about God and hear from his word. Learn from his word so that you can love him as well as you can. Follow him as well as you can. For to encourage each other by our presence here on New Year's Day is to love God and to love neighbour, to love one another. And that's why I honour you. If you want to love God and love neighbour, what do we see in our two readings today that will help us do that? Uh, In the first reading we see that God speaks. In this case, he speaks through the prophet Moses. Hear, O Israel. Speaking, of course, is relational. And so is the desire to love. So so God is relational, and that's theology. If we were only looking at the first passage from Deuteronomy, we would need to know that God was speaking to the people of Israel, not to a Middle Eastern country. And we would need to understand how this is intended to apply to us today, because Moses spoke these words 3,200 years ago or something like that. So what is the relationship between that command then with what we're to do now? And what's the relationship between the people of Israel and the church today? And and each one of us. The prophet refers to the Lord our God. The Lord is our translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh. Yahweh is our God. That is a personal name. Which means that God is personal. He's not some impersonal force. We might talk about God, but his name is Yahweh, the Lord. Yahweh means something like, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. The Hebrew doesn't have tenses like we're used to in European languages. But if God's name is, I am who I am, and I will be who I will be, We have to understand something of that to know who we are to love and how we can love him. We see in this that God is eternal. He will always be. And he makes promises. We're already realising a lot of things about God just in these simple statements. Are there other gods? Well, no, they are false gods. Pagan gods, the gods of our own creation, but only one being with the powers and attributes of God, which is Yahweh, the Lord, the God, the God that we gather to worship today. We're told the Lord is one. So is my grandson Archie, but he's about to turn two. What does it mean for the Lord to be one? Just that there is only one God. But how does that fit with the later understanding that God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit? To understand this simple statement of oneness, we really need to understand something of the Trinity and the statement that we have in our three creeds. You've already said it today. 
A very theological statement, the Apostles' Creed. Three persons, one divine substance, one purpose, one God, one love. It took the church over 300 years to work out what it means for there to be one God in three persons. It helps to know what ideas they rejected in working this out so that we don't fall into them today. God does not have three modes, the Father mode, the Son mode, the Spirit mode, because Jesus prayed to his Father, and you can't speak and be spoken to at the same time. There must be two. And the Father and the Son sent the Spirit, and you can't both send and be sent at the same time. So so it's not three modes of being. And God did not adopt a human being as his earthly son and give him some divine powers, as, as people thought, in, uh, or some people thought in the early centuries. We've just spent over a, a month talking about Mary being incarnate of the Holy Spirit. We, we, we can't reject what we've just been celebrating for the last a uh, few weeks and think that Jesus is just some type of earthly son given some powers. And Jesus is not part God and part human. He is fully both. Jesus is not mainly God as if being a human is below him. Jesus was fully human like us except without sin which means that we need to know what sin is to know what God is is so that we can love him. And the command is to love. How can we love a spirit? I know how to love a human being, but how can we love a spirit who we can't see? And what is love? Is it a feeling? Is it action? Is it faith, trust, obedience? And if it is, What is faith and and where does it come from? And how does God want us to be obedient? We need to reflect on who God is to know how to love him and, and to want to love him. And when we do that, we're doing theology. The command is to love with all our heart and with all our soul and all our strength. Does that mean we're made up of different independent parts. And what is a soul? Theology teaches us we're not made up of different parts. This is just a way of talking about our whole being. We are to love with our whole being, with everything that we are. Our soul is not separate from us. We are embodied souls. When we die, we will be disembodied souls. And then at the resurrection, we will be re-embodied. Oh dear, well, we actually need a fair bit of theology to even work out who we are. Now I've only just scratched the surface of this apparently simple command and it's not going to be a long sermon, I can promise you that. Well, let's just turn briefly to our second reading. Jesus is asked a simple question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Uh, okay, you may not need much theology to understand the question. A bit of history will do that. 
the law here probably means the law of God communicated through the prophet Moses over 3,200 years ago. And you don't need to know all the individual laws to understand the question or the answer. But you are going to have to understand who Jesus is to understand why his answer matters. The Gospel writer Mark opens his Gospel by calling Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One of God, and also the Son of God. What do these titles mean? And what type of Messiah and Son would Jesus be? The better we know who Jesus is and what he does uh, will help us to understand what type of Messiah he is and uh, what type of Son of God he is. And we'll understand his teaching better and it's significant for us. Jesus says, love with all your heart and soul and mind. What is the mind? Uh, And what happened to strength? Can Jesus change God's commands? Or is the way to read the Bible to go with the vibe? And what is the relationship between love and the law? Well, many people see the first four of the Ten Commandments as ways to love God, and the last six as ways to love our neighbour. Do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. Although, if you think about them, they're all ways of loving God and loving our neighbour. And if you think about it, you are doing theology. And why does Jesus give a second commandment when he was only asked for the greatest? Is he like a politician with the ability to change questions to suit his own purposes? And what are the prophets that he refers to? And what's our relationship to all the other commandments in the law that Jesus seems to relegate here? Can we eat seafood? Can we get tattoos? Should we rest on Saturday rather than Sunday? And there are so many other questions that really flow out of the relationship between the command to love and the laws that we find elsewhere in the Bible. One of my favourite sayings of Jesus is, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. For all the libraries of books written about God and the Bible, what Jesus is saying here is that we need to have childlike trust and dependence on God. But we also have the brains God has given us and he expects us to use them. And all our heart and all our mind and all our soul, all of us, he expects us to use all of us to love him and neighbour. A person with an undeveloped or damaged cognitive ability is to love as best they can. And that will always be good enough for God. Each person must engage God with all their mind and all their body and all that they are. 
which for most of us delightfully involves getting to know God and ourselves through theology. But I think there's probably enough theology for today. So I wish you a very happy new year. Amen. Part of our theology better than I ever will. The context is obviously the gates of heaven when an unlikely candidate is being asked why he thinks he can go to heaven. And I'll just switch it on for us. Well, the video uh, or the sound on the video didn't work very well. So I'll just let you know the punchline. When asked why uh, somebody was being let into heaven, uh, the person simply said, the guy on the middle cross said, I could come. The guy on the middle cross said that I would come. And it is as simple and glorious as that. Well, I hope you have a very happy new year. Amen.